cocktail. Hexagons. Welcome to Knickknack News. I'm Alex. And I'm Anthony. And our first story is animal news. I found this on Mental Floss. Goats like people who smile at them. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. I can't read that without smiling. Oh, this Uh, is so cute. So this is a this is a new paper published in the Royal Society Open Science Journal, which suggests that goats not only recognize happy human facial expressions, but they're drawn to them. Are you serious? Oh yes. God. That's so, like a dream come true. So a team of researchers at the Queen Mary University of London recruited 20 goats, 12 males and eight females. I don't know if that matters <laughs> at the Buttercup Sanctuary for Goats, which is adorable also. <laughs> Uh, in Kent, in the UK. The Buttercup Sanctuary <laughs> for Goats. The Buttercup Sanctuary for Goats. Oh, my heart. The, the goats were released into a pen that was lined with black and white photos of humans making happy and angry faces. <laughs> so this is how they did this study. It wasn't even actual people. It was just this is the best the- thing I've ever heard. The livestock appeared to be more interested in the images of smiling people walking over to them and even touching them with their noses. This is the best thing I've ever heard. <laughs> I just wish I could see it. Yeah. Is there a video? There unfortunately was not a video. Aww. There was just a very cute picture of a goat at the top of the of the story. Uh, and this is kind of an interesting side note. that The happy faces on the right side of the pen attracted the most interactions, which may indicate that the goats process positive emotion with the left sides of their brains. Because you have that whole mirror thing oh, yeah. with, the, with the sides of the brains. So that's just a, I guess, just a guess that they have. Hmm. Um, and in a 2015 study, trained dogs were able to successfully discern between happy and angry expressions as well, even if they were only shown a photograph of the top half of someone's face. Oh, wow. Which is pretty cool because that means yeah. they can just tell from, from like your eyes. Yeah. Um, and this study has proven that it's not just pets that can, that can tell when, when people are happy or sad, but also goats at least. <laughs> That's so cool. I thought that was just wow. such a happy story. Yeah. <laughs> just made me smile. Yeah, it made me smile too. So anytime you run into a goat, I guess, just greet it with a, greet it with a grin and, and it'll awesome. like you more. Um. I don't remember what animal this was referring to, but I read something somewhere about how like showing your teeth can actually be a sign of like, I don't know, threatening or yeah. something to some animals. So like, I know. Um, I wonder if like smiling could like mean monkeys, different things. I think some monkeys that like baring your teeth is a sign of aggression. Oh, okay, okay. Um, but even I mean, dogs do it too when they like want to be appear mean. They will they'll bare their teeth. Yeah. So I guess don't That's interesting. So yeah, I guess closed mouth smiles. <laughs> <laughs> Either closed mouth smiles or maybe the the eye expression yeah, the has a lot to. You got to smize. You know that. <laughs> Wait, does that mean closed mouth smiling? Smile with your eyes. You don't oh. know smize. No, it's from America's Next Top Model. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, I didn't know that term. Tyra but I do always now. tells people to smize. Smize, which isn't good podcasting, but. <laughs> Anthony was just uh, doing it. I was attempting, so. and I was not. <laughs> I was trying to, but I was not. I mean, I, I was know. not succeeding. <laughs> My first story is technology news. Okay. I'm super excited about this. So, scientists from Japan's K- 
Keogh University and the National University of Singapore have developed a virtual cocktail immersive VR technology and published their work in a research paper titled Voctail, a virtual cocktail for pairing digital taste, smell, and color sensations. So that's where you got the word from. It is where I got the word from. Um, huh. So the Voctail is a high-tech device that looks like a martini glass. And by using immersive technologies and sensors, the Voctail simulates taste, smell, and the look of a real cocktail. What? Um, it's super cool. So the combination of these signals trick the brain into receiving a full and authentic taste sensation. <laughs> what? Um, so you can be drinking like sparkling water and your brain could think it's like a gin and tonic or something using this technology. Um, so the, co- the virtual cocktail glass lets you change the flavor of your drink using an application on your smartphone that customizes <laughs> drinks and, and tastes. Um, so, okay, and then it gives another example of glass of water can be changed into a mojito or a glass of wine at the press of a button. And then I made a note, you can turn water into wine with this glass. <laughs> VR Jesus. Um, okay, so this is how it works. So for the smell part of it, the 3D printed glass houses three scent cartridges that are connected to micro air pumps. And through the pumps, smell molecules are released... <laughs> Like into the glass, and it changes your perception of the flavor of what you're drinking. Okay. Okay. And then for the taste, <laughs> on the rim of the glass are two electrode strips that send electric pulses to your tongue to stimulate taste buds. A jolt of 180 microamps mimics a sour taste, while 80 microamps gives a bitter taste, and 40 microamps a salty taste. So they actually can like mimic like Whoa. salty versus like other things with um these like charges so yeah it's, it's salty it's just made me think drinking a pretzel which isn't a thing <laughs> <laughs> you could simulate a pretzel drink um <laughs> Ew. i don't know um okay and then for sight the voctail uses an led light system at the base of the glass and can like make colors that correspond to the drink that you want so like a maroon light would correspond to a red wine and that's like their example. So it like changes like the color of the liquid too. So huh. and then, um, so according to the research paper's abstract, when a user drinks from the system, the visual and taste and smell stimuli are all combined to create a virtual flavor sensation, thus altering the flavor of the original beverage, which could be like sparkling water Just or whatever water, you want yeah. it to be. Yeah. Um, and they said that the benefits of this technology range from simple social applications where it's possible to create custom flavors and share them with your friends through social media <laughs> to... <laughs> Medical scenarios where illness or old age could restrict your diet. The technology can make it possible to enjoy flavors that we love without having adverse reactions to the actual ingredients. Isn't that cool? That is so cool. <laughs> I want to try it so bad. But well, I, yeah. I, it's just like a prototype right now, I think. But like, it's so cool. That's got to be, cl- be close, though. I didn't realize that you could that you could simulate taste with uh, electric impulse. Right? Or like electric I had never that's... heard that before either. Like the... That's wild. And it makes sense. The I mean, that's smell how, like, thing too. Even like they just it pumps like synthetic scent out of some type of like air pump. Like that's a thing. Like yeah. I don't know. You could. That's do the that. only part where I'm like, that seems like more effort than just like making the cocktail. <laughs> <laughs> but there's definitely advantages to it, like not having to have. Well, and then there's the other thing of like, I guess if part. you're drinking a cocktail just only for the taste of it. Yeah. Which like. 
There's not a whole lot of like, I don't know. cocktails that I just drink for the taste. Right. Like maybe a couple, some of them maybe yeah. I would do that, but like. I'm trying to think. <laughs> mm. um, <laughs> maybe no. if you had like a pineapple upside down drink. You know, with like the pineapple juice in it. It's yeah. just, and it's just sweet. Think, and it doesn't taste like, like Also, alcohol. you can make a virgin version of any That's like, true. cocktail. So. <laughs> <laughs> like, why do you need this? <laughs> I don't know. It's concern, so cool. <laughs> I don't, yeah. But no, the like the idea is, is so it's something I'd want to try, though. I mean, just like regular VR. It's not something you yeah. really understand until you try it. And like right. once I tried a VR system, I was like, OK, I, I want one now. Yeah. But <laughs> right. Exactly. I imagine this so. would be very similar. I would totally try this. It's yeah. So oh, cool. yeah. Um, so they published a paper on it. And I don't know if it's like imminently going to be made into some like a product that you can buy or anything like that. Yeah. But oh, it gonna, works, supposedly. So right. I imagine that's. That's probably not too far out if, yeah. if, if I've got a working prototype. Mm-hmm. All right. My next story is entertainment news. The story comes from Market Watch. Poll. Elon Musk fans are the worst. <laughs> <laughs> Why that's are an, these that's so an funny? Infla- that's an inflammatory title. But uh, according to tens of thousands of Twitter uh, followers on Twitter... Um, Elon Musk has the worst dedicated fan base. This is, uh, this was, (laughs) don't worry. There's an explanation. Um, a woman named Michelle Spies, a writer for Botnik Studios and a contributor to The Onion, posted a poll last month, a March Madness style bracket that was matching up various types of enthusiasts, including supporters of Hamilton, Harry Potter, and Kanye. (laughs) Like what? Those things just don't. She basically made a March Madness style bracket for fandoms. Like okay. All the pe- fans of just various things. Yeah. And over 20,000 people voted during the first round, which she was surprised because she expected that only a few friends would interact with it and that it would be, in, to quote her, a fun, stupid bit. Um, but amazingly, unlike any of my content before, it picked up steam, she said. Truly, I was not expecting this level of engagement or sincerity. <laughs> 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 which, Twitter, fair. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, after after all the rounds of voting, Elon Musk's fans were determined to be the worst ones <laughs> by Twitter users. Uh, so take that as you will. But I just enjoyed this because other fan bases in the bracket included EDM, <laughs> Marvel, uh, The Bachelor and Bachelorette okay. shows, Quentin Tarantino. Uh, I was a little sad to see Pod Save America did quite Aww. well because I really enjoy that podcast. Wait, really quick, was it the voting for which one is worse? Which one is okay, worse? Okay, okay. Yes. So they made okay. it. They made it a few rounds, which made <laughs> oh, me a no. little sad. Um, the Kardashians, <laughs> uh, Rick and Morty, who were actually t- uh, the last, the finals with um, Elon Musk was, was Elon Musk versus Rick and, Rick and Morty. Morty. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Doctor Who, the big, okay. ba- the Big Bang Theory, which I was pleased to see made it quite far. <laughs> And that show's canceled now, so... Anyway. Um, <laughs> the WWE. Uh, you might be quite sad to see the Supernatural actually made no. it a couple of rounds as well. No! Um, I'm a Supernatural fan. <laughs> and uh, the Lord of the Rings also made it a couple. Uh, and uh, I left out a number of them, obviously, because yeah, yeah. it was a very large... But you can see the you can see the bracket and how everything okay, broke I'm down very at the, interested to at look the at story that. In the, that we will include in the show notes. But uh, yeah, so sorry, Elon Musk fans, but apparently <laughs> you're the worst fan base. <laughs> That's hilarious. Like I, I'm with some of those things that you just mentioned. I'm surprised that Elon Musk won this tournament. Right. Because <laughs> there are some like really toxic fans 
And I think that's more what they were going for is like okay. the fan base can be kind of mean. Really? And I think that's why people probably went that way. That. But yeah. Well, I sent that story immediately to one of my friends who I know is a big fan <laughs> of Elon Musk. Clearly. <laughs> I wonder if like, I don't know, people at my work, I should like spread that around. It'd be funny. <laughs> um, okay. My next story is world news. from BBC Asia. Last week, a giant ghost ship washed up on the shore of Myanmar. Wait. <laughs> it was a ghost ship. Okay. It was a vessel that was more than 177 meters long, or 580 feet long. Um, authorities and Navy personnel had boarded the ship last Thursday to search for clues after it ran aground on a beach. Police and observers were baffled at how such a large ship with no sailors or goods on board had ended up there. Like it was actually a real ghost ship. Like it was this was giant it, ship and it just like ran aground on the beach and no one was on the ship. Was it old or did, did they know what ship it was? Yeah, it was or? an old ship and they had the name. Okay. This this was a thing that evolved over the week. Oh, so I'll okay, let you know okay, what happened. Okay. So Yeah, yeah. Um, so it was just empty. And then last Saturday, the Navy said it suspected the ship had been towed by another ship because they found two cables attached to the head of the ship. Hmm. So like, you know, figuring out the mystery. Then they later found a tugboat called the Independence about 80 kilometers or 50 miles off of the coast. Um, And after questioning the 13 crew members on board, they learned that that tugboat had been towing this vessel and intended to take it to a factory in Bangladesh that would dismantle and salvage the ship. However, some of the cables attached to the boat broke in bad weather and they just (laughs) abandoned it. So they just left, and it's just like this giant ship, and it just ran aground on the beach. Hey, the tugboat was called the Independence. It just wanted to be free. <laughs> so that's what ended up happening. That's, so Okay. so It had an explanation. So the mystery was very quickly solved. It was. It was solved, but it was but still it is, really funny. And it's really fun to say ghost ship. It was a real ghost ship. Yeah. How often does that happen? Ooh, ooh, except we know exactly well, maybe where there it came were from. Go- <laughs> maybe there were ghosts on it, and they're the ones that broke the cables. Ooh. Well, there were no sailors. Ooh. So. Who knows? Who knows? Next story that I brought is Space News. Yes. <laughs> good. Very good. Um, the story comes from space.com, appropriately enough. Uh, bizarre hexagon on Saturn may be 180 miles tall. Did you see anything it's a about hexagon? Did you see anything about this hexagon? Before? I did not. So, okay. So there's this hexagon cloud formation type thing that's rotating around Saturn's North Pole. And it turns out it's taller than they originally had thought it was because they'd seen it before, but it, they didn't realize how, how far up it went. Uh, so they generally thought that the 20,000 mile wide hexagon, so it's a, it's, a, it's a big hexagon, which is actually a jet stream that's composed of air moving about 200 miles per hour. They thought it was restricted to the clouds of Saturn's troposphere, which I know we've had trouble before knowing our various spheres of the Levels atmosphere. Levels of the atmosphere. But uh, okay. that's one of the lower ones. Okay. But this bizarre structure actually extends about 180 miles above those cloud tops up into the stratosphere, which is apparently above it uh, <laughs> there we go and this there we go is, at least during the northern spring and summer which is what this new study is suggesting uh the the hexagon surrounds a smaller circular vortex that's situated at the north pole and has existed for at least 38 years 
Um, they know this because NASA's Voyager 1 and Voyager 2 spacecraft spotted it when they flew by Saturn in 1980 and 1981. So it's a very, very old vortex. Huh. And, well, 38 isn't that old. <laughs> in space years. In space years. That's in, in, in weather phenomena years. That is, that's, per, that's up there. So scientists started to get a detailed look at the hexagon in 2004 when the Cassini spacecraft began orbiting the planet. Um, but they could only see the troposphere, or the, they were only able to uh, do science in the troposphere, I guess, <laughs> uh, for about 10 years after its arrival because springtime didn't come to the Saturn's north until 2009. So that's five years after Cassini got there because seasons are seven and a half years long on Saturn oh, because wow. it takes 30 years for it to orbit the sun. Um so it took oh. a little while for springtime to get there. Uh, and uh, the low temperatures in the stratosphere compromised their measurements um, for another five years. So they weren't able to get anything in the, in, the, uh, in the upper layers of the atmosphere. But once they were able to explore the northern stratosphere from 2014 onwards, so that's that 10 years later, uh, they were able to discern that the hexagon was present at higher altitudes than they'd ever seen it before. So this is how they know it extends 180 miles up into wow. the atmosphere. Um, and it appears to be tied to warming that is brought on by the change in, in the seasons, which is why they weren't able to see it until the spring. Uh, and hmm. even though there's a similar vortex that forms in the summer, again, the seven and a half year long yeah. summer in at the South Pole, the South Pole doesn't have the hexagon and they don't know why the poles are different or why the North Pole forms hexagon. So there's a lot of unsolved mysteries around here, but I definitely recommend <laughs> clicking through the to the story because there's pictures of this giant hexagon formation, and it it's it, it, it just looks, looks really unnatural. Because it looks like a hexagon. Oh yeah, hold on. I'll pull I can't even imagine that in my mind. Like that just seems so unnatural. It 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 looks unnatural too. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> that's so weird the face you made said it all uh it's it's just a really it's a really strange formation um and they have no idea why it's like this or why the south, south pole doesn't have a similar a similar structure whoa so you know what that discussion on the seasons reminded me of game what? of thrones <laughs> they're clearly on a planet that's just orbiting a sun at a very at a very slow, slow rate yeah i mean that checks that out explains that's a good it. theory doesn't explain why there's like undead things, but yeah, the whole fantastical element I'm still working on, but the the seasons though. <laughs> it's on a planet that, that can be takes a really long science. time to orbit the sun, and also there's magic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my next story is a technology slash health news. Ooh, hybrid. The headline is: MIT researchers teach a neural network to recognize depression. Oh. A new technology by MIT researchers can sense depression by analyzing the written and spoken responses of a patient. The system uses a neural network model that can be unleashed on raw text and audio data from interviews to discover speech patterns indicative of depression. So they said, given a new subject, it can accurately predict if the individual is depressed without needing any other information about the questions and answers. So like, they don't even give it certain questions. Like, they, yeah. It can just listen to the way the person is speaking and like detect it. Wow. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, so they said the most important part of the system is that it's context free. So it's like what I said, it means that it doesn't require specific questions or types of responses. It can simply use day to day interactions as a source data. 
like just average like conversation. Right. Um, so yeah, that's then. So they develop this algorithm and they're getting like, yeah, I could see over 80% accuracy. I could see something that like that being really useful, like with a patient's consent, obviously, but in like a therapist situation. Yeah. Like, yeah, that that's actually how they they concluded the article was saying that this could help therapists like find and isolate issues more quickly, basically, mm-hmm. instead of spending like a longer time trying to analyze like and talking with the person and trying to get to that point of that diagnosis, I guess. Right. Like, it kind of just saves time in that process in yeah. like a therapy session. Oh, that is so cool. This neural network stuff is going to make like such a diff like such a difference for natural language processing. Like oh, the yeah. fact that they can just t- dump in just multitudes of data and samples and they how they can understand how this yeah. what this stuff means because mm-hmm. they have all these examples. It's so amazing. And natural language processing is if you're listening to this and you don't know, that is a whole like sub area of research in mm-hmm. like AI and machine learning and stuff. And there's whole like teams and groups just only working on that, like developing algorithms that look at speech and trying to like know what it means. Right. <laughs> or like decipher things out of it that a yeah, human like, would only be able to do normally. So. Right, because like a computer can easily discern what like a literal meaning of, right. of, of languages, but they are not good at interpreting like emotions and like mm-hmm. how and context and yes, like using or things like sarcasm things. even would be like something right. that they want to be able to determine. Right. Anything that has some type of like emotional or like hidden context in it like, like it's very even, hard <laughs> even, even human, humans even, it's hard for to even do that, humans right? can like tell what <laughs> sarcasm is i've seen it used um yeah in applications where like a lot of different there's a lot of different ways to say the same thing but you want the computer to like detect that same thing from all the different ways to say that thing yeah or, like that concept is kind of applied to a lot of different scenarios so like anyway it's very cool and very very difficult too like the, the natural language processing research is like right. it's really, well, really hard to do it, that that's stuff. why it relies so much on like the neural thing because it simulates mm-hmm. a brain essentially yeah you need a ton of data for that too so like right um i think it's said in here like what they use to train i don't remember i don't have the numbers off the top of my head but it was probably a lot of like oh yeah i'm sure data. but it's the cool thing is it gets it only gets better as it receives more yeah. input yeah which is uh that whole that whole field of computing is just so fascinating. So we're we're in this like, I mean the, the hype curve of this stuff is kind of at the top of the hype curve right now. But yeah, because yeah. of that, I think like a lot of people are working on like gathering that data and starting to like feed more and more into it. And the more you have, the better the algorithms are going to get. So right, and, like it's there's only a just lot of there's a lot of hype surrounding it. But I like you can only imagine it's going to do great things. Like, yeah. So what I think will happen is that right now we're in this phase where people are just trying it on all these different things. Like oh, what if we do this? What if we do this? What if we do this? And they might get like okay results here and there, but out of that process is going to come a few like really, really awesome, really mm-hmm. helpful applications. Well, eventually the neural nets will be able to teach other neural nets how to learn things. And that's yeah, when we have will. the singularity. And then I think and the then, Terminator. Then we'll have Skynet. Right. Yeah. That's from Sky. Yeah. Right. Skynet's from Terminator. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I've only seen one of the movies. So I- <laughs> yeah. Hopefully we don't get to that point where they decide that, you know, all humanity is a virus. But I mean, I don't think we're anywhere near that right now. It depends just, on what part of the internet they they set the neural network loose on. Because if it's Twitter, they might decide we're a virus pretty quickly. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, that already wait. What did they? They came up with some like bot. Oh that yeah, they like, had a, they had a bot that they tried that they set loose on Twitter, and it became very racist very yeah, quickly. Yeah. Oops. But it just was learning from what it read there. Yeah. So. Oops. Oops. 
That's our fault. Yeah, that, that's people. on us, people. Yeah. Let's do better. <laughs> Let's do better next time. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so I thought that was pretty cool. I love No, that's really that's stuff. really cool. And yeah. I had, uh, that just seems like it would have such practical applications, too, mm-hmm. which I always love with stories like that. Yeah, definitely. Guess what time it is. It's time for Breaking News, the part <laughs> of the show where Anthony and I look up stories that were just posted today, and we read them to you on the fly. Ready, set, go! go. All right. The story that I found is an update on our friend Opportunity. Everybody's Wait. favorite everybody's favorite Mars rover. <gasps> uh, it's not good news. Oh, <laughs> why I mean, do you not, always do this to me? <laughs> it's not inherently bad news either. Um, it's it's an update. Okay. Uh, so for longtime listeners, you'll know, but uh, one of the largest <laughs> dust storms we've ever seen on Mars is finally winding down, raising hopes that opportunity will soon be able to obtain enough power to resume normal contact with Earth. Uh, as you know, Opportunity is solar-powered, and the dust storm was preventing it from receiving sufficient power since at least June. Um, Controllers of the rover are getting ready to attempt to get the rover to respond to commands sent over NASA's deep space network. So instead of waiting for it to contact them, they're going to try to contact it. Uh, Based on the atmospheric conditions on Mars now, the operators expect that it will have enough power in the very near future to start checking in with the operators on Earth. So they're thinking that it's clearing up enough that Assuming something hasn't gone wrong, Mm -hmm. it should be able to contact them soon. Okay. But if it doesn't, they're prepared now to start contacting it. Okay. Uh, There's a good chance that the power dropped so low that its onboard onboard clock shut down. Um, And if that's the case, there's no way of knowing when the rover will try to reestablish contact because it has no sense of time. It's it's, they can only wait and and hope that it, it sends something. Okay. Um. And that's one of the reasons that they're preparing to send it commands instead rather than waiting for it, it to check in. They will continue to attempt to contact the rover for 45 days after they've decided that the conditions are good enough for it to generate sufficient power to respond. Um, okay. But if there's no response during that period, they'll just passively listen to it for several additional months at least before assuming that the it's worst gone. has happened and it is checked out. But All right. as you know... It's already been there for way longer than it was supposed to, yeah. and it's been operational for, for a really long time. So even if it is done, it's done a lot more than we expected. Uh, but there's still hope, and they're going to try to reach out to it, and maybe that'll get a response. Um, they also said that the local wind could blow the dust off of the panels if that is what the problem mm. is, and so there, and then there's, it could recharge then. there's just a possibility that it, it, it hasn't gotten there yet, but it will. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's uh, that's an update on everyone's favorite Mars rover opportunity. Nice. Still I MI- like these updates. Still MIA. Yeah, I, I, I'm really excited. For some reason, they always seem to coincide with Tuesdays. <laughs> I don't know what that is. <laughs> like, this is yeah, just, why is that? This was just done today, so... Is it like the same person writing this? It's the same. The- it's the same website. It's a okay. Ars, Ars Technica. Maybe there's like a person that's assigned to like update on this thing, and they maybe po- yeah. post their story every Tuesday <laughs> or something. It's like hey, the same person I'm not writing it every time. It works for us. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that was my that was my breaking nice. news. Okay, so the story I found. I'm really sorry, but I'm cheating, and this was posted over the weekend and not today. That's fine. No one's no <laughs> one's keeping. I score. can't. I could not pass this up. Um, it's from HuffPost, the weird news section. 
And the the headline is, let these dinosaurs check you in at Japan's weird hotel. Oh, God. Oh, boy. I can't even deal with this. Um, It says, Jurassic Park fans, this one's for you. A Japanese hotel is offering guests one of the strangest check-in experiences possible. A reception desk manned by robot dinosaurs. (laughs) Whether it's Japanese, English, Chinese, or Korean, the pair of dinosaurs are more than happy to assist customers arriving at the hotel in East Tokyo through the use of a tablet system. The hotel belongs to the Henna chain, which means weird. Like, it translates oh, the word weird. Okay, checks um, out. And claims to offer the world's first hotels staffed by robots. <laughs> um, the robots detect guests' motion on approach and bellow out, welcome, gesture with their long arms. <laughs> However, the icing on the cake are the tiny bellboy hats perched atop their heads. Please look at this yes, photo oh, now. I, I, Please I, look I, at this I photo, to see a photo immediately. I, I love it. <laughs> I want to go there right now. <laughs> It's so terrible. Oh, it's so bad. It's so bad. It's good. <sighs> I can't handle it. Oh, my God. Um, it looks so excited to see you. <laughs> it looks like it's going to jump out and attack me. That's what it looks like. I, I didn't say what kind of excited. <laughs> it's a velociraptor. For the <laughs> listeners, there's a velociraptor in a bellboy hat at the front desk. Um. So then the next thing says, despite the novelty of the situation, the hotel's manager has said that some customers find the dinosaurs slightly unnerving. <laughs> well, wait, did they did they like, go to this hotel not knowing it was a dinosaur? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I hope they knew. <laughs> that would be pretty crazy if you just walk into this place and you're like, where am I right now? <laughs> um, and then he says, we haven't quite figured out when exactly the guests want to be served by people and when it's okay <laughs> to be served by robots. <laughs> Got to get a neural network going, uh, um, determine figure that speech out. patterns that indicate they want to talk to a person. <laughs> yeah, this is so bizarre. I'm sorry. Like, I just could not pass up this I, thing. The photo of this I do not know what dinosaur. you're apologizing for because this is, <laughs> this is delightful. Just like, it's not... <laughs> I don't know what it is. Like I can't even like I'm just imagining myself in this situation. Like even if I wanted to go to a fun hotel that had like weird robot staff, I don't think I would want it to be this. To be dinosaurs. No. Hmm. Well, if it was dinosaurs, I would want them to be like friendly looking dinosaurs. Okay. Like not like You a, want like the Lamb Before Time cast greeting you. Yes. That's and, what I would want. I do not, not be, want like not the realistic. Velociraptor from Jurassic Park <laughs> greeting me at the front desk. Like why why was this their choice anyway it's a great photo and yeah highly recommend uh, uh, looking at that story too yes we will post as always yeah okay that's our show (laughs) thanks for listening everyone we post episodes every friday and as always the links to this week's stories will be posted in the episode description if you like what you heard, you can follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and anywhere else you want to get a podcast from. And uh, you can also give us a nice little uh, rating review if you want. Little R&R. It's up to you. Make it five stars. Anyway, uh, you can also follow us on Facebook.com slash News and on Twitter at, at News. All right. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. A woman named Michelle Spies. Or is it Spies?
How is no, it spelled? It's spelled spies. spies? <laughs> but I doubt her last name is Spies. It could be Spies. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, a woman named Michelle Spies. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Let's just go with that it's spies. Yeah, I just okay. thought that.